hear the word of the Lord to us from Isaiah, both one and two. How the faithful city has become a whore. She who was full of justice. Righteousness lodged in her, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross, your best wine mixed with water. Your princes are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and runs after gifts. They do not bring justice to the fatherless. And the widow's cause does not come to them. Therefore, the Lord declares, the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel. Ah, I will get relief from my enemies and avenge myself on my foes. I will turn my hand against you and will smelt away your dross as with lye and remove all your alloy. And I will restore your judges as at the first and your counselors as at the beginning. Afterward, you shall be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Zion shall be redeemed by justice and those in her who repent by righteousness. But rebels and sinners shall be broken together, and those who forsake the Lord shall be consumed. The word that Isaiah the son of Amoz saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and All the nations shall flow to it, and many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come Let us walk in the light of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Cynthia. Good morning. Will you pop up that first line for me? So Kina and I were married uh, a little over 26 years ago. And uh, I've just loved, loved being married to Kina. We were married in uh, Palo Alto, California. Peninsula Bible Church, and the other day I was looking, I was looking at our vows. Uh, we have them in this uh, wonderful frame here, and just these beautiful vows that we wrote to each other—a reminder to me of our commitment before the Lord 
And she was reminding me as she wrote that she commits with a love that doesn't fade, that doesn't come and go with the whims of life, a love that's enduring. And I make a decision to love on this day. I wrote that I've chosen you to be my wife. And with that decision, I realize there are many wonderful responsibilities. My utmost desire is to love you as Christ loves his church. And so 26 years ago, we made these wonderful vows. Could you imagine if Kina came to me today with the vows, looked them over, said, I'm done. You're of no worth anymore to me, Rod. I know I said that 26 years ago, but I don't want a relationship with you anymore. Could you imagine? Some of you can imagine full well you've been through that. This covenant with the Lord broken, torn, shredded, ripped to pieces. What was the relationship that we established What was this love commitment all about? Was it fake? Was it of no value the whole time? If Kina was to do that to me, I would say to her, we were intended to grow in this marriage. Don't leave me. We were intended for more, my love. We were intended to grow in the beauty of this marriage. We were intended to stay married. There is so much more that God has for our marriage. And when the marriage is broken, there's nothing but mess and consequences that come when a spouse is betrayed. I share this illustration with you because this is exactly how our loving Lord fills the bridegroom when his bride betrays him. When his bride tears up that covenant, When his bride considers him of no value. And Isaiah the prophet is going to speak to our hearts. Calling the bride back into relationship with the bridegroom. Oh, that we would return to him. In relationship where we are intended to be. There's so much more intended in this marriage. May God draw us back. May God draw us together that we may enjoy this beautiful relationship. Let's pray. Father, may your word speak powerfully to us this morning. May we truly know how much you love us and that this covenant with us in relationship with you, you never, you never broke your covenant with us. And yet we fail, and we've torn up our covenant, and we've betrayed you, and we've walked away. And Father, we thank you that you're faithful to keep pursuing us. Forgive us when we run away from you. Forgive us when we break our covenant. Father, we know we're intended for more. May we experience that with you this morning and as we continue this journey and this love relationship with you.
in your precious name. Amen. Isaiah is a wonderful book. It's, it's a difficult book as well, right? I mean, it's full, of, it's full of God's judgment on a people who have walked away from him. And yet at the same time, it's full of the story of his radical love for us. We, we get these beautiful pictures. We get these beautiful pictures of his holiness. Our awesome God, our holy God is mighty to save. That's the love story of the Bible, isn't it? A God who is writing his love story of redemption. He wants to be in relationship with his people, with you and me. And he calls us into that. In these chapters, these verses this morning, it's broken up into a couple parts. Verses 21 through 24 kind of lay out the present situation. The present condition of Israel, the unfaithful spouse. And it's not pretty. In verses 25 through 31, he points out the consequences of these actions if if there's no repentance. And as we head into chapter 2, it shows us that we are intended for so much more. We're intended for worship of our Lord. We're intended to, to draw near, to receive His truth, and to live now in the fullness of His life and to live in light, His light of our lives. We're intended for that beautiful marriage, that intimate relationship with Him, a giving relationship, a relationship that, that provides abundance of life for us if we'll receive it from our Lord. And as Jackson pointed out last week, Israel, instead of receiving this wonderful, fulfilling life with God, that this relationship had been replaced with religion, a heartless religion. And what the Lord is calling us back to is that He doesn't want our religion. He wants us. He wants our hearts to the core. Here's what C.S. Lewis says in Mere Christianity. He has God speaking here to us. Give me all. I don't want so much of your time, or so much of your money, and so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here and a branch there. I want to have the whole tree down. I don't want to drill a tooth or crown it or stop it from decay. I want it out. Hand over the whole natural self, all the desires which you think are innocent, as well as the ones you think are wicked, the whole outfit. And God says, I will give you a new self instead. I will give you myself. My own shall become yours. And the two shall become one. All of God's abundance, all of Him given to us. Christ in us, we are placed in Christ. Will you receive His abundance? Or are we going to continue down the path of running away from our Lord, of breaking our covenant, 
and ending up into a life that is destructive and broken. The Lord intended us for so much more. The Lord intended Israel to receive from Him and to enjoy the pleasures. But as we read these verses, we find there's all these incredible contrasts of what was intended and what was really true. The people of Israel and we are intended to be a people of faithfulness. But instead he got harlotry. Intended for righteousness and justice. Instead, he got murderers. Intended to have the beautiful silver, and instead he got the dross on the top, the scum that formed on the surface of the molten metal. Instead of pure wine that would bring joy, tasteless dilution. Instead of righteous rulers, he got rebels. Instead of defenders of the helpless, he got takers of bribes. That's what this marriage relationship became. Broken. It wasn't intended for this, but it became that. It's interesting because the people of Israel believed right in the middle of all their evil that they were actually a people of privilege, a people of honor. They had God's law, they had His temple, they had His city. But look what the Lord says about them. They basically have become the enemies of God. And as they're hearing these words from Isaiah about who they've become, it's a painful ripping of their soul, their flesh. Wait, we're the ones who are the people of God, and yet you are now calling us your enemy. God's revealing what's on the inside of what's going on. It reminds me of the tearing of, of Eustace. Aslan was, was ripping the scales. He became a dragon. And he was ripping the scales off. Because he had to get to the inside of who Eustace really was. Who he was intended to be. He had become this ugly dragon. And Aslan needed to do his work. And that's what he's going to do here with Israel. He's going to do this refining work. So that the bride and the bridegroom can be united again. Look at verse 24. Here's what God is doing because you're a people who've run away from me. Therefore the Lord, the Lord Almighty, the Mighty One of Israel declares, Ah, I will vent my wrath on my foes and avenge myself on my enemies. I will turn my hand against you. I will thoroughly purge away your dross and remove all of your impurities. God's refining judgment is about to come upon the people of Israel. He's turning up the heat. But one of the things I want to understand about God's judgment, and when He does this with us, when He refines us, God's judgment is never intended to be His last word. And you need to know that. He doesn't refine us. He doesn't judge us just to to lay all this heaviness on us and just go, see, you failed me, and now you're going to end up in judgment. Curse upon you and just die in your sin. He doesn't do that. He is bringing about this beautiful, refining purpose. He wants to draw us back to Him 
He wants to tear at all the things where we have turned over ourselves, where we've gone off to be the harlot, where we've, we've sold out to pursuing other things other than the Holy One of Israel. And it comes through turning up the heat or refining fire. Yet in the middle of the fire, one of the things you need to know is He doesn't abandon you there. He doesn't leave you in this place. I'm reminded as we think through of the Lord turning up the heat, like Daniel when he's in the, the fire, and the Lord God Almighty is right there with him, present in the middle of it. But there is going to be coming down a meltdown for the nation of Israel to remove all the impurities. Let me show you an image of fire. This was the pioneer fire in Loman. I think I told you my in-laws, Tom and Donna, they live in Loman. They live there full time. And this was what was coming down in their backyard. This incredible raging fire. They didn't think it was going to stop. And they really thought it was going to come through and destroy the, their home. And it was, it was like that for months and months, just this raging fire. One of the biggest fires in the nation at the time. And what happened is, as the fire was coming, many friends and family went to Loman and they started to purge out all the things in the, in the cabin. And what started to happen was, you started to go through the cabin and it was like, well, what's valuable here? What do we need to take? Because it's valuable to us. It's of worth. It's significant to our life. The other thing in that process is you start to realize, oh my goodness, look at all the junk. (laughs) Truly. Leave it to be burned. It's not of value. And so all the stuff that was of value was loaded into the trailers and taken away as the fire, the heat was being turned up. And all the stuff that was just junk was left. You see, that, that's what God wants to do with us. If you'll let it happen in your life, if you'll stop rebelling against God's refining work in your life, He will purge out that junk. And then you, you will start to receive all that you're intended to be, and you'll start to enjoy this beautiful marriage relationship that you're in with the living God. He is the bridegroom. We are the bride. And we were intended for so much more. I don't know why we live in this shattered relationship. I don't know why we would pursue anything else but this relationship with the Lord. Because it's the only thing that's fulfilling. It's the only thing that's life-giving. It's the only thing where we are filled with His love and His salvation relationship with our living God. And so he does this continued refining process. The dross is taken up. One of the things that you that you know or that you may not know about metal when you do metal working is with silver especially you do the silver and the dross comes to the top, those impurities come to the top and you and you scrape them off. But once the silver starts to to get hard again, the reality is, in a little while, there actually impurities start to build again. And so you need to turn up the heat again and get more of the dross off the top. 
I think that's the Lord's continued work with us, isn't it? I need to keep refining you until the day of perfection. He who began the good work in us will continue it until the day of his coming. Right? That's his work. He's conforming us into his image. He's removing the dross from our lives. Will you let the heat to come? Will you allow the Lord to do that? And will you return to him and enjoy this relationship? If we don't respond to the loving potter, the loving metal worker, if we don't allow him to put us on the anvil sometimes, if we continue to rebel and to to walk out on our spouse, the bridegroom, the Lord, the outcome is, is awful, actually. Look at verse 29. 28 and 29. The rebels, the sinners, they will be broken. Those who forsake the Lord will perish You will be ashamed because of the sacred oaks in which you have delighted. You will be disgraced because of the gardens that you have chosen. You will be like an oak with fading leaves, like a garden without water. The mighty man will become tender and his work a spark. Both will burn together, no one to quench the fire. You see, when we pursue after other things for life, for other idols, they would go into these gardens to worship other gods. Let me show you an image of what it looks like going out to worship other gods. This is Burning Man this year, going out to the desert. And every year they go out to the desert. And they do their different forms, really, of worship out there. They're all seeking some form of life. And it's nothing but death. And this is literally the culmination of the whole festival. It all burns. And that's what God is saying. You're seeking all these things of life. And this, in the end, is what it looks like when you continue to rebel against God. When you're seeking after that which is not God himself. When you're going into the gardens... You're an oak tree, which was meant to be the most solid tree, always life-giving. And it's, it's without leaves, You're like dry grass. This is the outcome when you go and you rebel and you abandon your spouse. It's a burning and it's death. And every year when I go down, we go down for a family camp in California and we end up at In-N-Out Burger in Reno. And hundreds of people coming from Burning Man will be there at In-N-Out. And they're just covered in this white dust of the desert. But the reality is they can never get that off. They're never cleansed. They were intended for so much more. And so were you and I. And yet we choose to go to the groves, to the desert. We choose another spouse. And God wants us to have so much more. It's a picture of our rebellion. If we don't let the fire do its work in our lives, that refining fire. He wants to restore Israel. He wants to restore us to who we're intended to be, the beautiful bride. He wants to redeem us. And as we repent, He wants to welcome us back, to receive us back. It's always an image for me of the prodigal son. The prodigal son who said, Father, I wish you were dead, really. 
And yet the father waited at the roadside while his child abandoned him. And basically said, Father, you're of no value to me anymore. I wish you were dead. And yet when he finally repented, when he got up out of the pig soup and he realized, oh my goodness, I have a father who loves me. When he realized this this time in the desert, going after other gods was not going to fulfill him. He returned back to the father. And did the father say, too late? Did the father say, you're a stupid son. I want nothing to do with you. Uh Uh-uh. He received him back. And he gave him great honor. Because that's who our father is. The relationship that was intended to be. He wants us to be a people that he will restore He goes on in the past, I will restore your leaders. This is my goal with you as in the days of old. Afterwards, you will be called a city of righteousness. This is who you're intended to be, a faithful city. Zion will be delivered with justice, her penitent penitent ones with righteousness. We're intended to be a people who live out and reflect the character of God. City of righteousness. We're intended to be a people who bring His life and His truth into a hopeless world in need of a Savior. And we too need to realize we are in need of a Savior. And that He's quick to forgive us. A righteous, faithful people. A people who defend the cause of the fatherless, the orphans, the widows. Provide justice. Life. Hope. That's who we're intended to be. We're intended for so much more. And God wants to bless us with that and have us live His life and receive the joy of that. That beautiful covenant relationship with our living God. What does righteousness look like? Remember in James 1.27, he's like, you want to understand the heartbeat of God and what real righteousness looks like? Love the widows and the orphans. Look after them. They they can't defend themselves. They can't take care of themselves. Nobody is caring for them. You want to understand the heart of the Father and what righteousness really looks like? Then love the widows and the orphans. I intend you for so much more to receive my life and then to live out my life. And this is what righteousness looks like. This is what we're intended to be. Let me show you a picture of my friends, Sasha and Ira. Sasha and Ira are in the Ukraine. They are part of Young Life, former Soviet Union, part of the staff. Sasha and Ira, their, their house is nothing but a revolving door. And they have, they have beautiful children, and then they serve all of these Young Life high school kids and junior hires and... And Sasha and Ira uh, are just in love with Jesus. But just last year, amidst all of their other ministry that they do with hundreds of kids and bringing kids to Christ, literally they're, they're leading kids to Christ every day. I mean, it's just beautiful. But they do a lot of work with, with the orphans and they do a lot of work uh, with the widows in town and they really have a heart for that. 
But as they were working with the orphanage, they heard that there was this one girl who was just desperate need, and then they found out that this one girl had three other siblings, or was four of them all together, and a really hard story of their life. And so Sasha and Ira, as they went to the Lord, heard the Lord saying, these are going to be your children. So they added four more children to their lives. You want to know the heartbeat of the Father? You want to know what we're intended for? Living out the fullness in the life of Christ. Why would we abandon Him? And He woos us back. The beautiful bride. He calls His bride Zion. Zion throughout the Scriptures is always a view of the bride. The loved one we see in Hosea. The bride is intended to turn back to her husband. To return to him. And to have this full relationship. But Israel has turned her back on her husband and sold herself into harlotry. She's entered into alliances with other nations. And most hurtful to God, they've turned their eyes towards other gods. And yet in the middle of the pain, God woos them back. Our covenant partner, I am your God and you are my people. I will not break my covenant. But our bridegroom is not just going to let his bride go in and pursue other lovers. He's not just going to stand by and go, oh well, too bad you left me. He's going to pursue after them, longing for that relationship. Longing to have what we were intended for, full life and beautiful life in Christ. Isaiah, when he brings this prophecy, he doesn't put his hearers in a place of false security, does he? He shows what the Lord intends for us and for His people and how He's going to make it all come about, but He doesn't show and He doesn't say, well, listen, this is all coming about and so therefore you can just live your life how you can and it's no worries. Doesn't Paul say, Paul says, should I keep on sinning so that grace may abound? It's the same idea. Isaiah is going, don't be foolish. Don't, don't keep on sinning so, just because God is full of grace. Return to Him and, and enjoy and receive all that you're intended to be. Why would you keep sinning? Why would you keep going away from God when you have all of this fulfillment here? I want you to understand there's consequence for your sin. There's mess and pain and heartache. You're intended for so much more. But he's not going to allow Judah just to go into their continued sin. He's he's going to be strong on them. He's going to refine them. Because if they keep going down this path, they will ultimately end up in death. Utter corruption and destruction to their lives. He wants to bring Zion, his bride, back into relationship. Oh, we were intended for so much more. For this beautiful worship of God, we were intended to come up to this holy mountain. Chapter 2. You know, it's interesting. As we, as we uh, look at chapter 2 of this passage, the same words are in Micah 1, 1 through 3. Same words. Micah was a contemporary prophet. 
And so you wonder if the Lord was speaking to both of these prophets about, don't you understand? I want you to reveal to my people who they're intended to be and what's going to come. I want them to understand that the ultimate fulfillment is that the people of God will come up His holy mountain and they will seek after Him because we're intended for worship of our God. We're intended to come up and desire His truth and receive His truth. And as we receive His truth, that we get to live out in His life and light. That's what we're intended for. And that we are ultimately satisfied and we ultimately have life right here as we come up to this mountain. In these last days, we don't know when that's speaking of exactly. When Christ reigns, is it the millennial time of a thousand year literal reign? Possibly. Does it have the image of this is what it looks like when Christ is at the center? That this is the ultimate fulfillment of everything that Christ intended? When God is at the center and when the King of Kings reigns, this is exactly what it's going to look like. You see, this is what we're intended for. And the bride and the bridegroom come together in perfect unity and have life together. That's what we're intended for. May we walk up that holy mountain and receive His truth and live in the light of God. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we want to receive you this morning in all that you need to do in us. Father, we together as a body of Christ, we repent. We seek your forgiveness for when we turn away from you. And so, Heavenly Father, this morning... We thank You that You forgive us. We thank You that You give us life. We thank You that You have so much more intended for us. And Father, we want to receive Your blessings and Your goodness and Your life. We, this morning, climb up Your holy mountain seeking after Your truth, Father. So speak it to us through Your Holy Spirit. And Lord Jesus, we want to walk in light. In Your precious name, Amen.